The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Well, good morning, chapel family. Um, if you have seats near you, we still have some people lingering. We've brought out all the chairs that we have, um, so, but we, we kicked out the kids to make space for you guys because I know how people dislike when it's not theater seating, when you don't have your buffer space for strangers. But we are family. Um, and th- there's a little thing we do on Easter if you're new to church. When I say he is risen, you say he is risen indeed. So we're going to try it out. Ready? He is risen. He is risen. Risen indeed. Yes, I love this. Now, this is a little bit different. Um, We have some news that we wanted to make sure we shared with you. And because this move happened so quickly, Easter was the only day that we could say goodbye to the DeLeonardi family. Uh, Laura has been on staff here at the chapel, serving as our lead of women's missional communities. And Matt is... He does everything pretty much. He plays the drum, the guitar, you sing, you probably play the oboe, the triangle, the cowbell, I don't even know. Um, but they are leaving us and going to Seattle. This is their last Sunday with us, so I wanted to make sure we as a chapel family had an opportunity to pray them off, to give them hugs. However, because they are moving, like it's the last time in the world you ever want a sick child. So after the service, if you see the DeLeonardis, feel free to hug them. If you have sniffed in the last 17 years, hug them from across the lobby with a virtual air hug. Can we do that? Okay, um, so we're going to pray for them. If you know them, please extend an arm. We're going to pray for them as God sends them to Seattle, and uh, we're going to see what he's going to do there. Father, we thank you for this family who have been such an incredible blessing to this chapel family. Lord, I thank you for the anointing and the presence of your spirit upon both of my friends. And Lord, now um, their kids, they will continue to grow, and we will watch them on Facebook. We will watch them grow and pray for them. Lord, as a chapel family, we want to come behind them to support them to help them, to pray for them, to encourage them during this transition. Lord, it is a big move, but you are a much, much bigger God. So they are in your hands. We commission them to you to lead more people to Jesus on the other side of this country. Be with them. Give them more organization and peace and joy than they've experienced in the last 12 months. I thank you for their friendship to me personally, God. Lord, help us to send them off well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. So be sure to grab them in the lobby and... um, Unless you're sick, don't touch them because children, okay? I have a quick question because I did a Facebook poll, but I just needed to see how it worked out in real life because on Facebook, people lie. Um, Peeps, peeps, raise your hand if peeps are good and of the Lord and you just love them. Okay, well, now I know the people that need Jesus, okay? Um, Here you go, peeps for you. I saw some peeps over here. Blue peeps, blue, who ate peeps? Peeps? Kyle Peeps, eat those Peeps, because the other part of the Facebook poll was, who believes that uh, Peeps belong in the trash, uh, and, and that's what I figured the consensus would be. I, don't, I just don't get it, you guys. I wanted to get it, and because I made these polls, I got sent so many videos about Peeps, which only made my week brighter. Um, like, there's a guy who literally becomes a Peep by, like, getting covered in marshmallow goo and jumping in Peep dust. Anyway, um, we, we're, like, going digressing just south fast. Today, today is Easter. Today is my favorite holiday of the year because Jesus rose again, and people said, well, Pastor Ryan, you talk about Jesus every Sunday. Why is Easter, like, so much more excitable? Because on Easter, everyone else talks about Jesus with me. Whereas the other days of the year when I'm pumped about Jesus, people are like, no, miniature golf. And I'm like, yeah, for Jesus. But today we're all pumped on Jesus because Jesus has given us ham and quiches and chocolate. And we have given so much sugar to your children. Sorry, not sorry. I'm sending you home in a bad place. 
I've already seen fourth graders with chocolate stains seeping through their shorts. Um, we sent those kids him, home with the first service, and we're not paying for therapy bills for you. Okay, um, we're going to pray. We're going to get into a story that's very familiar, but hopefully we see a little bit different this morning. Father, today is for the glory of your name. It's, it's for us lifting up Jesus. I pray that we would make much of him. That, that Easter wouldn't be a one-off for us, but that our lives would be transformed. And God, specifically today, I'm praying for those who have been bruised and broken and beaten down by life, that they would find hope in the story of Mary. I'm praying for those, God, today who are uh, skeptic, cynical by nature, that they, would, that they would step in and ask questions and not be afraid to be authentic and vulnerable. And I pray for those, God, in here who are just like Peter, ordinary people called to an extraordinary task. Lord, we, I have arranged the wood, but only you can light fire in people's lives. So send your holy fire to stir up affections within us that we did not know we even had. In the name of Jesus, all God's kids said, amen. Uh, if you'd like to follow along today, we're going to be sort of trekking through uh, John chapter 20 to 21, but in a little bit of a different way, because every Easter... Um, pastors, we sit down and we read books by dead European guys who wrote about books by dead Jewish guys, and um, that's called the Bible. And we, we say, okay, we, it's this Easter story. Everyone's heard the story, and then we try to be creative. Um, here's one thing I'm not going to do, and I shamed all my pastor friends. Even though I'm not a huge fan of shame, I used it last night on Facebook. I said something about, like, my eyes are rolling in disdain thinking of all my pastoral friends who are going to make April Fool's jokes about Jesus. Because while I don't use shame here, I will use shame against my pastor friends every day of the week because we do dumb things, okay? But today, we're going to find some serious freedom. And today, um, I'm going to take you a little bit to the movies. It's going to be like a movie documentary. So I need you to do, like, whatever you do when you go to the movies, okay? So pretend you're there now. So you sit down. You um, take all of the Coke and candy you just smuggled into the theater in Jesus' name. You take it out. You put in your things. And you, you, the neighbor behind you is like, I didn't know they had bottled soda here. Weird. And you're like, yeah, they do. It's a little bit cheaper from Walmart. And this is you. And you're sipping your Coke. And you're, you got your, your uh, popcorn. Maybe that's the one thing you buy so you don't look like you're totally a sinner. And then you put your milk duds from Walmart in there. And, it, and now it's the story that we're familiar with. But I, I need us to see it differently. So I'm, I'm inviting you into the brain here that um, for all of the faults that my brain has, which are many and numerous, one thing that my brain excels at is um, I I see things when I read things. So so the story starts in John 20, the resurrection. That's why we're here. It's Easter story. Jesus lived the life we couldn't live, died the death we should have died. And then on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. Everyone say, Mary? Like you're shocked. I know it didn't shock you, but it will. Um, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. And I need you to to picture this. It's like um, at, at this time of the year when Mary would have been going to the tomb, I want you to think Florida like circa five weeks ago. Do you remember that? When it was 51 degrees and you guys had like Arctic parkas on? Okay, this was the time of day. So it's crisp, 49 degrees. And, and in my mind when I'm reading this, the first day of the week Mary was going while it was still dark, so the, the sun is just starting to crest on a hill, and the camera, as you're sitting there, Diet Coke, Milk Duds, the camera is coming down, it's a low shot, and it goes behind someone, you see their feet walking, and there's a tree off to one side, and you see the light just hitting the, the leaves, just barely cresting over this hill, and then the camera does one of those things where it rises up and pans around, 
and we've all seen the Mary movies. There's actually a new Mary movie coming out this year, but I want you to get rid of that image because this Mary in this book, I 100% guarantee you, was not cast out of Hollywood. It wasn't somebody that has no wrinkled skin and Botox for the last 17 years. We're talking Mary who is weathered. And as the camera swings around, you see Mary, and in her eyes there's just a sadness because she had lost someone that she loved, Jesus. And they didn't understand what was happening. And the camera comes, and it does one of those moments where the, the light flare comes across the lens, and the camera settles right on Mary's face. And all you see is from here on Mary. And it's, it's so crisp. You see the lines that are carved into her face. It's lines of life. It's the wrinkles and the scars and the marks of someone who's had a hard life. And then the camera follows Mary around a turn, and, and she's sad because she just lost someone who was the first person to ever really love her the way that the human heart needs to be loved. And, and the camera follows her, and then it shows, and it cuts around, and you see this hill and, and the hole where the rock used to be. Now this, this stone was pulled over, and Mary starts to panic, like, something's wrong. Something is wrong. She's there with her spices, to, to put as an offering burial to Jesus. And then the camera, the camera zooms quickly into her face and it goes to a flashback. You see, Mary was a woman who was possessed by evil spirits. Now, I know that we live in an era where some of you are like, well, I don't believe in those things. So I just need for today, I want you to just say, okay, even if you don't, you have to understand. All of the markers that we see of people possessed by evil spirits, they were people who would talk to themselves and their clothes would be dirty and people would leave them alone and avoid them on the streets. They would be bound to addictions. They would be bound to patterns that were breaking their lives. And, and in this scene, as the camera goes back to Mary's past, it, it comes down to her face. And you can tell her face is younger because it's a memory montage. And she's down on the ground crying. And her clothes are tattered. And there's this mocking of people walking by her, people stepping over her, walking, just pointing, sneering, jeering. And then all of a sudden, the camera moves up, and you see a hand just reach down in the shot, and the hand grabs Mary by the elbow and helps her up, and her legs are almost too weak to pull herself up, and, and this man holds her, and the camera does one of those slow fades back with the cinematic music. This is in my brain. When I just, just live with me for a second. And the music starts, and the camera goes, and we see that it's Jesus. This isn't like 80s Jesus. This isn't Jesus with a mullet and moose and a sash. This is rough Jesus, carpenter Jesus, calluses on his hands Jesus. This isn't Jesus who has a barber shop. This is big, bearded, short Jewish Jesus. But he picks her up, and he holds her and says, demons, go. And they leave. And for the first time in her life, Mary looks up at somebody that's holding her in a way that she's always wanted to be held and loved. Not loved for being a woman, but loved for being a human. Not loved for what she can offer to a man, but loved by a man who's going to offer everything for her. This is Mary Magdalene. This is the first person who found the empty tomb. Jesus rose to free people who are bruised, bound, and broken. Maybe you are here today and you have been stuck in a pattern of brokenness and pain and difficulty. Jesus rose for you. Jesus rose to set you free from the chains that want to hold your life down. And, and, and here's, here's one of the things. It's, um, at this chapel family, if you're new here, I'm so glad you're here. 
At this chapel family, we have worked very, very hard to be family, to be a real family, to be a family that accepts people in the midst of where they are at. And I know that every church says this, but I promise you, if, if you're ever arriving here at the, the 1045 service and you're showing up and it's 1105 and, and I'm walking around praying for the service and I hear you yell at your kids with the vocabulary of a sailor, I will hug you and love you just the same as, you, as if you quoted Bible verses at them. Mostly because I have children and I get it. <laughs> but also because I want to not only say that we are a church that loves the bruised, broken, and bound, but we are a church that says you can come here and find freedom in Jesus. Jesus chose this person, this woman who had been stuck in a broken pattern of life to be the first witness. And in case you, that doesn't sound odd to you, and it might not because we live in an era that has many different views on society, there was an, an, a very angry opponent of Christianity named Celsus. And one of the reasons he did not believe in Christianity, he said, I, I cannot believe in Christianity because the first witness to the central miracle of their faith was witnessed, and these are his words, not mine, by a hysterical woman. Because in that time, a woman's testimony was valued as half of a man's. And all of these people that talk to me, they will say, well, um, the Bible has been changed over so many years. People have gotten their hands on it. They've changed the story to suit their needs. I'll tell you the first thing that you're going to do, if you are going to edit the Bible to start a major world religion, you are going to not have a former demon-possessed female who is broken and defeated be the first person that witnesses the empty tomb. You're not going to do that. Because it gives less credibility to your story. But the Bible authors knew that that is the way it went. So that's the way it is. Now, some of you who are the Marys in this room, men or women, who have been bruised, bound, and broken, I need you to understand something. Jesus invited you to the tomb first. It's not a coincidence. People who recognize their need for Jesus are the first ones to run to him. But then the story goes on. Uh, the resurrection has happened. Mary goes, and then it says she goes to get the guys. She's like, I got to go get the guys. So she runs back, and she finds Peter and John. John was the, uh, the disciple that Jesus loved. If you think of the last ever picture, John's the one that's always like this, leaning on Jesus. Peter is always the one who's portrayed as a little heftier, and we're going to find out why in a second. Because it says that when she told him, she ran back and said, P Peter, John, I went to the tomb. It was empty. You wouldn't believe it. The stone was gone. The guards were gone. I don't know where they are. Something's going on. And Peter and John said, we got to go. So they start running. And it's that movie montage running. I'm talking like Ben-Hur. Sorry, that's too old for some of you. I'm talking like Homeward Bound. Wait, hold on. Um, I'm talking like Toy Story. I don't even know. So they're running. And, and here's where Peter gets a bad rap. Because it says that the disciples were running. And the disciple Jesus loved got there first. Because Peter was back there. Uh, I need you to picture this, because in my mind, it's like that scene in the movie where a girl comes in, says, we got to go, you guys, something's going on, and then John is like, yes, we shall go. He's the crossfitter with thunder thighs that can run for hours. Peter's the guy, he lives at Krispy Kreme. When the hot, fresh sign goes on, his heart enlightens, okay? This is, and then, so John's just like, we're doing this. He's got the rainbow shorts, just do, 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 and the music. When they go to John, it's like, do, 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 and they go to Peter, and it's like, wah, wah, wah. And then they arrive, and John gets there first, and Peter's back there because Crispy Scream. And they get to the tomb, and, and Peter's like, I'll be right there. He's just, I just, 
One second, one more second. Okay. And John's like, oh, it's true. It's empty. Peter, come check this out. So he finally gets there. It's, it's empty. Did somebody steal the body? Did, did we steal? No, I don't. Where's the body? Somebody took the body. And all of a sudden, they say, okay, we, we don't know what's going on. Let's just go back. Let's get the team together. And they get the team, Sands Thomas, which is important for our next character of this behind the scene. So they're hanging out, and, and Jesus appears to them. And then Jesus goes away. And then Thomas comes back, and, and they say, Thomas, you, wouldn't, you won't believe this. You won't believe this. Jesus is alive. Like, it worked. And Thomas says, no, nah, 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 not, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to believe it unless I can put my finger in the hole in his hand. And then all of a sudden, super cool, don't know how, don't ask me, don't tweet me this. Jesus, it says, came through the locked door and just appeared. And Jesus, with the holes in his hand, see, the only scarred person in heaven is going to be him. We're all going to be redeemed. He's going to hole, hole, side, crown, holes. He says, Thomas, you need to have some proof. Feel the hole in my hand. In, in this scene in the movie, it's, it's the guys, and Thomas is there. I don't believe you guys. And Thomas picks up his, his first century mug of whatever they drank. I'm assuming some co- Colombian blend. And, um, and he's starting to drink, and then Jesus is like, just the, the wind noise. And he does one of the, these things. And the coffee's just like dribble, 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 dribble. But they didn't have um, the coffee maker, so it wasn't super hot, just lukewarm coffee. And he's just, what? And then Jesus says, go ahead. Go ahead, right? You, you want to put your finger in there. Now, I've thought about this because because um, I make friends with people at coffee shops who are cooler than me. Uh, I, I, I gave up trying to be cool a long time ago. I'm just, I accepted that I'm just a nerdy, half-Asian, half-white guy. That's all I am. Um, and like, I got my mom's jeans. They won, but the Asian brain won. Like, give me a book 10 times out of 10. But, but because of that, I hang out with these cool people, and they do fashion trends that I'm not used to. Like, one of them, um, people get these earrings that are not, like, in a little hole, because I've had those. We're talking the big boys. You know what I'm talking about? And there's, um, there's a, a coffee shop guy who had these gauges. And it's, if you don't know what it is, it's, a, it's basically an earring, and you have a loop of flesh that's still connected somehow by some miracle of God, okay? And, um, and I met a guy, and he had these. And, like, I'm just curious all the time about things like this. Like, hey, has anyone ever, boop, boop, hey, yo, poked the hole? And, um, like, of course not. Who would think like that? This guy, you know. And basically, he was like, no one's ever done that. And I'm like, oh, in my brain, I'm thinking, challenge accepted. Mm, no one's ever done it. I'm going to be your first baby. Bow, 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 bow. I've been, no, sorry. Okay. And I'm leaning in, getting to know this person, and just like, can I try? I didn't really ask, actually. I just, woohoo. It was weird. Like, no joke. Until you've put your finger through another man's ear hole thing, you cannot fathom how awkward it is. And um, Thomas needed that. Thomas needed that. Jesus rose to give credibility to the claims of his divinity, so Jesus had to say, you want proof? I got some proof. Put your fingers here, right through the hole. But then I think he anticipated that Thomas was feeling queasy, like, oh, no, I couldn't do that. So Jesus, however he did it, said, hey, the hole in my side, go ahead. Go ahead and put your hand in. Just put it in there. Put your whole hand in. Now, I don't know what the equivalent of that would be with my coffee barista. It'd be like, hey, man, I'm going to stick my tongue in your ear thing. I don't know what that would be, but, um, but I wouldn't. 
And, and we don't know like how far Thomas went, but we do know this. He fell down and said, my Lord and my God. Thomas saw the evidence and he said, I, I believe. Like, I'm, I'm good, good on the hoo-hoo. I'm just going to believe. I'll hug you. We'll drink coffee. Can you make this coffee come back into my cup with your Jesus thing? Mo, maybe, okay. And then Thomas believes. Now, some of us here are struggling to believe. As a matter of fact, in, in that story, it says that you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen me, yet believe. That's us because we have not seen Jesus. If you have, you're very, very, very old and look great for your age. But I, I have a thought that um, I, need to, I need you to know. If you're here and you're a skeptic, I am so glad you're here. From time to time, we do live Q&A during service where I put my cell phone number up there and people text in questions and I answer them at the end because I love skeptics, I love doubters because I am one. And I need you to know that it is okay to come here and have your questions and your doubts and your fears. And I'm going to give you just a moment of my own heart and just tell you that there are times where when I go through dry seasons, I will question. I've been following Jesus since 1998. I've been in ministry the majority of that time. And there are nights when life is hard and difficult where my head will be on the pillow and I'll think, really? Like a dude in a whale? God? In a bod? I mean, I don't, that's not my inner dialogue. In my inner dialogue, it's like, God in a bod? In my, I sound like James Earl in my head, but I know it's not reality. Um, uh, but I'll tell you what, on the flip side, on the flip side, because on Mondays, when like pastors, statistically, like Mondays are bad days, which is why I give that back to the church. All my pastor friends take that day off, and I'm like, why would you give your family a worse day? Give that back to the people who made you cranky. Uh, so I give it to you. It's my gift. And, um, and on Mondays, I have to pray that God would make my heart for him white hot, that it wouldn't just be this emotional roller coaster. And and once I'm in those modes of prayer, God has shown up in my life so many times where I'm like, Dad, I really need this. And he's like, boom, you got this. You need this, you're going to go here. I'm going to do this through you here. You're going to raise up here. You're not going to have money here, but I'm going to give you money here. It's going to be okay. You're going to have this, this bill, and you need that. Oh, you have this bill you didn't know coming? Don't worry. Somebody sued the company you used to work for. You're getting a check from a lawsuit, and then boom, it arrives in the mail the day you need it. Like literally. That's the only benefit of working for Abercrombie & Fitch, by the way. I knew you all knew that because of my striking good looks. I work in the back. Anyway, <laughs> God has shown up so many times, and I've seen the reality of him in my life so many times that my skepticism and my doubts, they become less and less. And if you catch me in the, the majority of the week when I'm on my mark talking to God, being with God, and if you said, oh, I don't think God exists, in those moments, God is so real and tangible and visible to me that I would look at you and say, your mom doesn't exist. Because to me, like m- the way that I sense God today, I know he's real. Prove to me that your mother is real. And they would send me a picture on Facebook and I'd show them a picture of a sunset. And they'd say, no, but my mom changed my diapers. And I would say, but God changed my spiritual diapers. This was one time when I sinned and he changed me. And, and we would have this debate. But if you have those questions, 
I I don't want to push you away. Come to the chapel. If you are anti-Christianity, come to the chapel. If you've got a million questions, write them down. Take me to Cool Beans because it's all you can drink coffee for the price of one cup. We will drain that carafe until your questions are answered. And if I give you bad answers to your questions, I'm going to send you to some of the elders or pastors or my father-in-law who's a pastor because they probably have better answers than me. I said, you need answers? Come get answers. Skeptics welcome. Because Jesus died to give credibility to the claims of his divinity. He was fatally tormented. There was an empty tomb. He appeared to many. And those who he appeared to gave their lives in response to meeting him face to face. Nobody gives their life for a lie. If you were going to change scripture, you would have written Mary Magdalene out. All the arguments that people tell me, like, this is why I don't believe in Christianity. I just say, I don't believe in your mother. But the story goes on. After Thomas has spilled his coffee, we go to the next character of the story. It's Peter. Jesus has shown himself to a couple of people. He's shown himself to groups. But then Peter doesn't know what to do with himself anymore because he's been following Jesus for three years. So the camera comes around and there's Peter with his friends. And they say, well, what do we do? We don't know where to go because Jesus is not with us now. So they get into the boat and they say, let's go fishing. And when they fished, they would have taken out their outerwear And they were out there fishing. And Peter has a flashback scene. And it goes back to the first time he was fishing. And Jesus said, throw your net on the other side. And they said, fine. And they did it. And they pulled in so many fish, the boat was going to sink. And then when Peter got to shore, he said, who are you? I'm going to follow you. And it was Jesus. And he said, I'll make you a fisher of men. And now Peter's back at those same nets wondering, what happened to all that? We were supposed to be fishers of men, but I'm just going back to my regular old job. And then this time, it was a distant person. You couldn't make out who it was. said, hey, you guys having any luck? And like every fisherman says, yeah, we caught a fish. It was this big. No. Nothing. So Jesus from the shore says, throw your nets on the other side. And I wonder how long it took Peter to realize what was happening. Like Jesus is giving him that matrix moment. Am I in a deja vu? Because he was throwing these nets and I don't think he realized until he cast them to the other side. And the, the camera comes around and he's pulling them up. And I would have loved to see his face. I hope that we can rewind scenes in history when we get to heaven. Because I would love to see his face when he realizes, this is Jesus. And just drops the net. And the Bible says he grabbed his clothes, threw them on, jumped for it. Now remember, this is the same Peter who walked on water. And now Peter's realizing, wait a second, wait a second. It's Jesus I know what happens when we're with Jesus, and and I might be alone on this, but I will tell you, even to this day, the first time I go to pool, the pool in the summer, this is me, straight up. Okay, Lord, today is the day to walk on water. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just try to do like the full of faith one, where I'll just be like, I'm just going to play this cool and know that God's got me, and I'll just be like, Tew! But sometimes I do the running one where I try to like, I'm like, the physics of it could work. If I can just slap the water so hard with this foot, I can springboard up like an anime character to that foot. It it doesn't work. But I wondered if that's what's going on in Peter's mind. Because he, he put his outer clothes on. Like, I've fallen in a pool with shorts and a flip flops and I felt like an anaconda was dragging me to the bottom. This guy's like, I'm getting all my clothes on. I'm just going to run to Jesus on the water. And he didn't. But he didn't sink. He just swam to shore. And when he gets there, Jesus is making breakfast. Now, don't get your hopes up in my movie of my brain. There's no bacon. Everyone go, oh. 
I know, it wasn't until Acts chapter 11, okay, that they got to eat bacon. But for now, fish and bread are fine. And um, I'm just going to pretend they were eating sushi, okay? So they go up, and Peter says, Jesus, it's you. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, dude, I just, did you see? I left my boat. My friends are paddling in without me because I love you so much. Those guys are second-class followers of the you. And then Jesus says, no, no, Peter, if you love me, feed my lambs. Okay, okay. Jesus says it again, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep. And a third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And in that moment, the camera zooms into Peter's face again. Because just days earlier, when Jesus was being betrayed, when Jesus was being whipped and killed for us, for me, for you, Right after Jesus had told Peter, you're going to deny me, and Peter said, I will never deny you, I will die. Then Peter found himself in an alleyway where a girl said, aren't you one of those Jesus followers? And he said, no. And then he walked around the corner, and another woman said, I've seen this man with Jesus. The Bible says he literally started cursing to prove that he wasn't a Christian follower. Still what people do today. And then another person, three times he denied Jesus, which is why I think Jesus asked him this question, do you love me, three times. Jesus wanted to show Peter the radical forgiveness that was available to him. That's the third point of today. It's that Jesus rose to give ordinary people an extraordinary purpose built on his radical forgiveness. We've got these three stories today. You've got Mary Magdalene, the woman who was shattered, broken, and bound by evil. You've got Thomas, the skeptic and the doubter. You've got Peter, the ordinary. It, I don't know why we call them average Joes. We should call them average Peters because Peter was everything average. He was a blue-collar worker. He had the foot-in-mouth sim- syndrome. He believed and he didn't believe. And in this crowd today, there are people who are the Marys. There are addictions and pain that are literally crushing your life. Jesus rose to give you freedom. Jesus rose to give you skeptics answers, not just cliche Christian answers like, go read your Bible and pray more. But like, no, put your finger in the hole. Study apologetics. And then Jesus rose to give us ordinary people an extraordinary purpose. But it is rooted in his radical forgiveness. Because this is the person that God has put on my heart today. The person who feels like I cannot possibly be loved by God because of what I have done. I could not possibly be accepted because of what I'm currently doing but to do so flies in the face of what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that as far as the east is removed from the west, that's how far our sin is removed from us. And then in Hebrews chapter 8, when it's talking about the new promise of God, it says that God remembers our sin no more. Like, no more remembrance of your sin. I don't even know how that works. But the fact that that if you step into Jesus and say, I believe that you lived a life I couldn't live, you died the death I should have died, and then you rose again. I believe that. You're my God. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to follow you because you lifted me up when I was down. You gave me the answers to my doubts. You've spoken to me in the cool of the night, and you've called me out of my regular, ordinary mundaneness to this extraordinary cosmic purpose. I will follow you. That's what faith is. When we use the word faith, it's that emotion that desire to be with God and connect to him. And if that's you, if you say, it's God, I I love you, I need you, without you, I could not do anything, then your sin, it's gone. Some of you might walk out of this 
room and sin in the parking lot. Forgotten. Well, God, doesn't, doesn't God want us to be like holy? Yes. He also knows you. The, the reason why I have the greeters, like, I, I, I thought we should have the greeters come all the way to the parking lot and greet people in the parking lot. It'd be nice to see a friendly face. But then I'm thinking, well, we got a lot of kids and families that come here. Actually, greeters, I want you to stay at the door. That way you don't have to hear people cuss at their children in the parking lot. People do that? Yes, if by people you mean human beings with children. Yes. Or if you're married. And when I'm walking around praying, like I said, I'll see some of you get out of the car. If you do this one more time, little Billy, I'm going to duct tape you to the grill of that guy's car and let you go home with him this Easter. And then literally like 50 yards, you transform. Hello, happy Easter. And the kid is just mortified. Duct tape, duct tape, duct tape, duct tape, duct tape, duct tape. Because kids don't pretend as well as we do. And here, you can bring your mess because you are forgiven. Here, you can say, this is what I'm struggling with. Can I still be a part of this family? And the answer is yes. And, and it's not, don't, don't take my word for it. Talk to people around you. And even if you're new, you don't know, who do I talk to? How do I know someone's story? Just grab someone that looks like they're comfortable. Or here's one thing, stay for 10 minutes. Everyone else is going to leave except for the people that are here every week. Just grab anyone hanging around after 10 minutes and say, hey, do you have a story of God's grace for your life? I'm literally that confident in the chapel family, in the healing power of Jesus, because I've seen in the last 12 months marriages that people thought will never be a marriage ever again, totally restored and better than ever. I've seen in the last 12 months people who were addicted find total freedom from their addictions. I've seen in the last 12 months people who were worried and stressed about finances all of a sudden be not worried and stressed about finances while, key point here, actually having zero change in their finances, that God would change their heart. It's not that you come here and all of a sudden your life's going to be just all cherries and ice cream. Usually when you come to Jesus, your life will get more difficult because there's a poison that's being purged from you. But when you come, I can promise you one thing. The bound, bruised, and broken are welcome here. God will not break a bruised reed, or quench a smoldering flax. The skeptics and doubters are welcome here where we can ask questions and be open about our doubts and share our curiosities. The average Joes, ordinary people who make brash decisions are welcome here because Jesus rose to give us ordinary people an extraordinary purpose that's built on his radical forgiveness for weary, broken people like you and me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you I thank you that you would love us. I thank you that you would send Jesus to die for us. I thank you that you would give us the love that our soul was wired for. And I pray that nobody walks out of here today. I pray, God, that no person who is struggling with with an addiction or pain would leave here just thinking that it will wisp away on its own. I pray that someone here, God, that is suffering in their relationship with their spouse or their kids or their coworkers, that that they would come and press in and they would find community and not just community, but family. And God, I pray for all of us, whether this is our first service or we've been here for 10 years, that we would embrace and care for each other like actual family ought to. Help us, Lord. Inspire us. Fill us with a hope and knowledge of the empty tomb 
Thanks for all you do. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.